Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 266 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Kay Truman. Kay lives in Mount Horb, Wisconsin, where she is a semi-retired RN. Welcome, Kay. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. Oh, yeah. I love recording the podcast, like my favorite thing to do. It really, really is. I'm always very excited when it's podcast recording day. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, it, it to intermittent fasting, I started that journey in 2018, and it really was my primary care doctor. It was uh, a moment in time, and, and I've had other doctors that I've seen before who had not been so in tuned with the struggles that I was going to or, or would just give me the pat answer of, 
eat less and move more and it'll, it'll all work out. And then just brushed me off. And, and looking back on that, I probably didn't say the right words maybe when I was talking to them about that. And this woman that I have right now is, is a DO. So she has a little bit of different focus. And that's what I really, really enjoy about her is that she's holistic and she really sees that the whole of me, not just the numbers in front of Let's me. Let's explain what a DO is, just the difference, because a lot of people don't understand. A DO is just as much of a doctor as an MD. Like, I didn't understand that till I had to research it. You know, we're so used to thinking that every physician, if they take insurance and do surgery and go to hospitals and prescribe medicine, they must be an MD. But a DO is just as much a legitimate doctor as an MD. But they take a more holistic approach, like you talked about looking at you versus the numbers, right? And really digging into like, what triggers this? You know, what is the reason behind it? So if you have a a high blood pressure, if you have a high blood sugar or something, well, what's going on? Let's not just give you a pill for it. Let's research this a little bit more, you know? Why? Let's go back to the cause of it and see if we can fix that versus bringing your numbers down because the numbers are not the only important thing. We've learned that, you know, from reading Jason Fung and understanding that, you know, just giving someone more insulin to get blood sugar down makes the blood sugar look beautiful, but (laughs) making the root cause worse. When I asked her about this and and I went in just for my normal physical and every, I see her about every six months actually. And I just said, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired. I said, I'm fatigued by this. I feel like my metabolism is a wreck. I feel like I've bounced up and down for so long that my body just doesn't... Actually, it's it's my birthday today. Oh, happy birthday. I know. I'm 68 years old today. So I have been doing this roller coaster and and, um, struggling with my weight for decades. And I just really felt that my metabolism was just shot, you know, that my body didn't know what it was doing anymore. And I said, you know... I don't really want to count calories. I don't want to get meals. I don't want to go somewhere and weigh in. I really don't want to log. I don't want to do those things anymore because that has not worked. For a while. I'm sick of it. I'm just done, done, done with that. And it didn't work. It made me more obsessive, I think, and more restrictive and less in tune with what my body was really wanting or needing. And she was, um, listening and she said you know I just read a book and I think you'd be interested in this book and it was the obesity code and I was like never heard of that I said okay and this is like early 2018 so probably like April so I I went and of course got the Kindle version and uh, read it and wanted to do a little investigating before I just jumped right into something but it was really kind of one of those books that just you kind of went, oh. You're like, what? Especially probably you as an RN, right? Yes, exactly. Because I have been a nurse for 43 years. And in all of that time, I've seen us go through these stages where really we just want to fix things. And the easy fix is to give them a pill or to do a test and all this stuff instead of like really talking to people. And it's not served us well, as we all know. So in the whole connection with insulin, just really, I did not really have that much training in nutrition, even as a nurse. And even in the, I did bedside nursing for 30 plus of those years. So 
I would see what people would get in the hospital for their food. And they would get a very high carb and sugary type diet. Very ultra processed, right? Everything that comes on that hospital tray is ultra processed, like a little container of orange juice and some toast and a little pack of jelly. I mean, (laughs) grits if you're in the South. (laughs) Exactly, with pancakes and syrup and... Maybe one scrambled egg that looks so bad you don't want to eat it. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) the wrong color and everything. You're like, what is that? (laughs) And I never thought about that. You know, I thought, yes, you know, I didn't realize that all of those processed high-carb meals were only hurting the person really, you know? So, so much of his, the science of it really connected with me, which felt like, you know, this is really something I could do. So I kind of started out slower and probably more in that 16-8 realm for a while. Felt that it wasn't that hard. I moved quickly probably to a 24, 20 and 4, and felt very comfortable with that. But I was not clean fasting. Yeah, because in the obesity code, he does not. It's, you know, he he talks about insulin, but, but he's like, yeah, if you want have a little cream, have a little cream. Yeah. <laughs> and I was a huge Diet Coke fan. And I also loved my, it was sugar-free, but it was vanilla caramel, you know, processed stuff put into my coffee every day. And so I continued to do that. And then I was losing weight that year. But as the year went on, it kind of like stalled a little bit. And so I was in the meantime, still doing research on it and still reading things, Googling stuff. And your name came up and the Delay Don't Deny podcast came up and the book. And so I read the book and it was a really quick, easy read, but very informative too. It's like, oh, the clean fast. I didn't hear really, I didn't hear that before or really focus on that before. So probably the beginning of 2019, then I started clean fasting. You know, that's just so very interesting for me. The obesity code is what taught me about the clean fast, but he didn't really say it in there. He like, talked about insulin. And so when he talked about stevia raising your insulin levels, I mean, I'd already been fasting. I'd already lost 75 pounds by the time I read the obesity code. And it was also really a struggle. It was really hard for me every day to get to my eating window every single day. And so those light bulbs went off. And that was when I started fasting clean, even though he didn't like really say it. I'm like, well, well, if if stevia makes your insulin high, why do I, you know? <laughs> but it changed everything for me. And so I wish he had spelled it out. Yes, he didn't spell it out. <laughs> and you did very well in that book, very well. So that really changed it. It also changed how I felt during the fast, especially, that it definitely did not struggle with it as much and did not have the hunger. And I didn't really equate those two together. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's why that first six, seven months was kind of like, oh, this is, I can do it, but I'm still kind of like struggling my way through it rather than it just being intuitive and like letting my body say, oh, I'm hungry now, but it's been 18 hours. And I didn't even know before that, that I was hungry. So that was the change for me in 2019. My history with my weight has been, I have been in my adult life, anywhere between 
125 pounds to 340 pounds. Oh my goodness. I never would have guessed that in a million years. 340. Wow. And how tall are you? I am 5'6". That has got to be hard for you as, as an RN also. Feeling like you should be able to figure it out. And that was um, one of my struggles. It's like I'm successful in so many things in my life. And I have a wonderful husband and two wonderful kids and a great community of friends and support and love around me. But why can't I figure my weight out? And shamed about it too, you know, and not open about it. You know, I was kind of pretty secretive about my eating and because I was ashamed of what I was doing. But your body is, you know, we're trying to fight our bodies all those years when we were, were trying to diet. You know, you mentioned that, you know, all those times that you were trying to, the diets, they made you more obsessive and less in tune with your body. And that's exactly right. But we're trying so hard. But, you know, what I really, really learned when I was researching for Fast Feast Repeat and really studying the Minnesota starvation experiment and how those men responded to the level of you know, caloric restriction that they were placed under and all the exercise they were forced to do and all the physiological and emotional responses they had, the urge to binge, the secret hiding of food, those types of things. That explains how our bodies rebelled when we were trying to diet. And yet we felt like we were weak and failing, but it was really our bodies doing it. Once we understand that, it takes we it takes so much pressure off of us from feeling like we were failing. And that's how I feel now, like that that pressure is off, that that weight is off, that that is that I can be open and I would have never done a podcast before. I mean, I'm sure even when I was at 125, I probably wouldn't have because I didn't I for one thing, I didn't feel it would ever last any success I had. I was not comfortable with like putting it out there in the world because then that expectation is there. It's like, oh, well, she lost all that weight. And then the next time I see you, oh, you gained it back. That's why you kept the big pants. I had them up in the attic. Now I don't. <laughs> in fact, I just cleaned out my closet yesterday and took out a whole bunch of clothes to St. Vinny's. And, and it was clothes that I was hanging on to that I thought I would probably need because for sure this wouldn't work either because nothing else has. You know, it really has taken me from 2018-19 to kind of believe it, that it's not, it's a way for me that just feels like the right path for me, that it doesn't feel like a struggle, it doesn't feel like a diet, it doesn't feel restrictive, all of those things. And I feel really, really good on it. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories 
promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's buyoptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. My history started really like even back in high school, I struggled with weight. Probably I was really normal weight in that adolescent and middle school range. And then all of a sudden I kind of boomed. I just kind of gained a ton of weight. And then as a teenager, I went on this really crazy diet of where I came up with this. I have no idea. I ate one apple at lunch and then I ate a hamburger patty with a slice of cheese for supper. And that's what I ate the whole day. That's it. Like, yeah, I mean, I was like trying to figure out what the roots of that were. And hmm, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> because it's not low carb. I do remember back in, in the day, they would have like, you know, the dieter special where you would eat like a hamburger patty and like a, some cottage cheese. But cottage cheese. Exactly. That may be where it came from because this would have been, you know, back in the late 60s, early 70s. So it probably was where it, where it came from. We didn't know. We were like, oh, that's a diet meal. Okay. Well, I know. <laughs> but then I was thinking about it the other day thinking I actually was kind of intermittent fasting because I, I ate right after school and then I didn't eat till lunch the next day. I'm like, huh, I kind of did some fasting, man. <laughs> I did have an eating widow, yes. So I lost a bunch of weight then. Got married very young at 19. And then, uh, but we didn't have kids until we were in our 30s. And then my weight just kind of gradually kept going up. And then when stressors would come, of course, then the eating would, um, uh, would kick in again. There was one point, that point where I got to 125 was in a weight loss clinic. LA Weight Loss Clinic or something? Yeah, like that, that was one. I've heard of I that one. I think it was. It was like 500 calories a day. Wow. You think about that now, knowing what we know, and we think, how in the world? I mean, was it like like shakes kind of a thing? Yeah, it, w- it was some shakes, but it's also really you had to count what you were eating, really, and basically you ate like a salad. You ate a lot of salads and maybe like a string cheese or something. I mean, it was really 500 calories a day. And they really thought that I should be at 125, even though I was, at that point, I was probably more like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, because I've shrunk a little bit with age. That is a tiny little weight for your height. Was this the 80s? It was the 80s, yeah. So as soon as I stopped that, guess what? Boom. Probably back plus more, because that one, that 500 calories a day had really slowed your metabolic rate. So over those years, the, the weight just kind of creeped in more and more. And I would try to lose weight here and there and then lose 20, 30, but then gain back more, lose 20, 30, gain back more. And it just kept yo-yoing up and up and up. 
in early, probably in early 2000s, I was diagnosed as diabetic. And I'm not sure why I was surprised, but I was surprised by that. But the doctor at that time didn't say, you know, you might want to think about, you know, changing diet or looking at your diet and looking at your movement and not a word, just kind of gave me medication. And also said, because you're diabetic, it means you're more at risk for some kidney damage. And so we got to make sure that your blood pressure is in good control. So here's a blood pressure pill. And because you're diabetic, you're higher risk of heart disease. So here's a statin to take. And, you know, all of a sudden I had this like handful of pills, you know, and, and was in that mindset of in healthcare, that's, that's what you do. Okay. We just take a pills. And, but she never really said anything to me at that point. This was a a different doctor. It's 20 years ago. And so I just went along with that. Tried to lose a little weight on my own, but really never anything really clicked. We've just been trained, probably more so you in healthcare, trained to think, well, it's time for my prescriptions. I'm taking my pills as I should, and and that's all I need to do. And, and it brings your A1C down. It brings your blood pressure down. You know, all the numbers that you go in to see your doctor and they're like, yeah, it looks good, except for your weight. <laughs> and I don't really blame anybody or I'm angry at anybody. It's what we knew and what medicine was at that time. There was no harm intended at all. And she was doing what she thought was the best thing for me. Well, it's what she was trained to do. That was how they were trained. And so... You can't be mad at doctors. Doctors do not ever start being a doctor because they want to hurt people. They want to help people. They all have that helping people goal, everyone in the medical profession. So, you know, they're just doing what they were taught and the, you know, treating the numbers. Oh, your A1C is high. Let's take this medication. Oh, your A1C is better. But in the meantime, your fasted insulin level might be going crazy. Someone in the community. The other day, her husband had just had his fasted insulin tested, and it was like 40 or something. It was really high, but his A1C was fine, and his insulin was in overdrive, keeping his blood sugars steady. But eventually, it stops being able to do that. But if you just look at the A1C, then you're like, oh, I'm fine. But he wasn't fine. And his fasted insulin told that story. And people are having to really like fight with their doctors sometimes to get the fasted insulin test. But I really believe it's a leading indicator that we should be looking at. At a younger age, because truthfully, I've never had a fasting insulin tested. You know, I've not asked for it either, but I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking like, yeah, I think I need to ask my doctor about that. And they say it's rather easy and cheap available test. Yep. It, you can get it through your doctor as a part of routine blood work, or you can go through something like Walk-In Labs is a company online. You just go to Walk-In Labs and you can like through their website, it's like $25. You can get it and then go to a lab, have your blood drawn and they'll, they'll give you that number because I really believe it's our right to know what that is, you know, and for all the doctors who like won't let people have it, they're like, no, you can't. I'm like, why would you just say no to that? It's, it's part of the picture. <laughs> and, you know, the doctors may not understand why because they haven't read the obesity code. They don't understand that fasted insulin is a big piece of the puzzle. So, you know, for anybody listening, even if you've been fasting and you're struggling to lose weight with fasting, get that fasted insulin tested because if it's really, really high, it's hard to lose fat. So when you started fasting initially in 2019 after reading the obesity code, what was your weight around that point? 
I started out at about 290, 290. So you were not at your highest at that time. I was not at my highest, yes. But 290 was still high. Yep. And I did, with that first loss of weight, got down to about 220 and then have kind of been up and down. I did go up after the pandemic hit and I was baking and I'm a baker. I, I love, and as my family will attest to, I love to bake. And I have a husband who's got a really good sweet tooth. So he gets a lot of these things, but just baking itself and, and just being home. And, and I got out of, uh, of eating. My window was too long and all those things happened. So I kind of went up and down over 20 into 21. I kind of went up and down, maybe 220 to 240 kind of thing. And then at the beginning of this year, I'm like, okay, pandemic's done. <laughs> you know, like, get back in here, tighten this up again. Okay. And so now, now I'm at about 205 and it's continuing to go down. I'm a really slow loser and I use the happy scale. So I do know that I have a pattern to my weight loss. So I went for a while. I didn't kind of played with like weighing myself or not weighing myself. I'm more comfortable with weighing myself at this point anyway. Um, someone has said to me, you know, I listened to a podcast. He said, you can't manage what you don't measure. And it really kind of rang true to me. It's like, I just need to know that number. And Happy Seal puts it in a better frame for me because it's a, I go down for a few days and then I go up for a while. And then I go down for a few days and go up. for it. So it's kind of this roller coaster, a little wave to it, but that's okay. That's what mine looked like too. I remember when I was losing weight, it looked like stair steps. So like it would it would go down, 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 then up, down, 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 up. So it, it always had those peaks. And it wasn't necessarily something I could cause an effect like, oh, it's because I ate, you know, whatever. It just did that. And I don't know if I really have a goal weight. I've thought about that. You know, I think a, a goal body maybe feels better. Even though I'm, I weigh probably more, I'm still, I'm fitting into like size 12s and mediums and larges. It's kind of odd because my body shape is less than what it was maybe even at 190. It just feels different. That's body recomposition because you're, you're tapping into those fat stores better. Like my body shape is different than it was when I was that, that period of time when I was able to maintain a fairly lowish weight around the early 2000s because of the diet pills. You know, I have a few items of clothing from back then that I saved and my waist is smaller now and my shape is different than it was then. Because we, we lose fat differently, I think, with intermittent fasting. So I think I will just let my body do what it needs to do. And if it's, it's a slow loss, I'm okay with that. I have really focused more on the metabolic health piece of this. I had, like I said, had been on a bunch of different medications. I think it was probably in the summer of, of 21, I had gone to a doctor's appointment and they're like, oh, you know, your, your blood pressure is like 80 over 50. And I'm like, what? <laughs> they're like, are you feeling okay? And I'm like, yeah, I feel fine. He goes, well, you can't leave until it goes up. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll hang around. And, and she goes, well, you might want to think about maybe decreasing your blood pressure medicine. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And then, of course, I had my A1C checked every six months and I continued to go down also. So over this with my metabolic health, I've been able to stop my diabetes medication, which is metformin. Just I was just on pills. I was able to stop my blood pressure medication. 
And I was able to, I've been on something for arthritis. I've been able to decrease that. I've been able to decrease my thyroid medication. It's a very small dose. I've also, I had some reflux and some heartburn. I stopped that and I have not had to take, restart that. I also amazingly was able to stop my inhalers, my Advair. I had been on an inhaler for a very long time. And as we know, asthma is inflammatory also is a inflammatory process ongoing on. And I really think that all of this is connected to this, to what I'm doing. Every single piece. That to me is the biggest victory of it all. Not the weight number, not anything, but to be able to get off this medication, which they have side effects and long-term effects also, and maintain that at my age is just like a miracle to me. I mean, I could cry. I cry easily anyway. <laughs> this just feels like a miracle. Thinking back to, I had fibroid surgery in 2013. This is before I was doing intermittent fasting and I had really big fibroids and had to have surgery to have them removed. And even though I was overweight at the time, I was not on any medications that I was taking all the time. And I went in for my pre-surgery appointment and they were all like, now tell me your medications. What are you taking? And I'm like, nothing. And they're like, what? I mean, I, I was in my 40s and wasn't taking any daily medications. And I'm like, no. They're like, really? I'm like, yes. So I mean, like every person I would talk to, now what are your, and I'm like, none. They were all so surprised. And that really registered with me at that point. Now, I'm certain I was on the path to all, all sorts of things because my waist circumference was big. I had abdominal obesity. I may have, I mean, I had not been going to the doctor for for preventative checkups. I had just been going whenever I had an infection. So who knows what my A1C was? Maybe I needed to be on all sorts of medications. I don't know. But the fact that I wasn't was a shock. So I think that focusing on our health long-term is the most important thing. You know, you could be sitting here discouraged because your weight is 205. And that is not your goal weight. That is not what, you know, you're not wearing size six, I mean, whatever, you know, you could have goals and be thinking intermittent fasting is, you know, not working for you, but it is working for you. It's working internally. It's about so much more than the weight loss. And that's what I really, you know, yes, I started it for the weight loss. Yes. A lot of us come for the weight loss. That's where, while we're here, but we cannot lose sight of all the amazing things it's doing for our health. We never, never should. You know, you mentioned before about, you know, goal weight versus goal body. And I've really gotten to the point where I am thinking more of a goal lifestyle. The whole idea of how do I want to live? I gained an inch around my waist in the past year, having to do with the hormonal changes post-menopause. I've just started hormone replacement recently. And hormones play a big role. I know. I'm 68. Yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. Like just today, someone in the community shared a, a study about women, postmenopausal women, of which I am one, and so are you. And it talked about estradiol and COVID. And they had linked the women who were on estradiol hormone replacement had less severe problems with COVID. Like who would have ever thought? that that would make a difference. You know, we just think of those female hormones as having to do with reproduction and that's it. But we do so many more things in our bodies that we may not even be aware of. So, you know, my point to that was, you know, I could be complaining that intermittent fasting has stopped working because I gained an inch on my waist, but I'm not. 
because I'm living the lifestyle I want to live. You know, I'm not going to diet more. I'm not going to shrink my window. I'm not going to, you know, if my waist goes up a little bit as I age, I'm going to just let my body do what it does. And so I I just think, you know, I've learned a lot along the way and focusing on how do I want to live and how do I want to age? And actually, this is just a piece of it, you know, in that pie of life kind of thing. But what you do as far as your eating, it's really just a piece of it. You know, there's so much more. There's movement. There's stuff to do for your for your mental health, all those things that all feed into that. I did have one more non-scale victory that I had just this week. I was able to, this kind of interesting story, because I had um, been on using CPAP now for a long time for obstructive sleep apnea. And probably a good 15 plus years. And I had stumbled and fallen and broken my nose back in December. Everything else was okay. I just broke my nose, but I wasn't able to use my CPAP for a little while at night. And my husband's like, oh, you know, I don't think you really snore that much, any, you know, without it. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I did go back to my doctor and say, you know, this is going on. And she goes, well, let's do another uh, sleep study just to see. So I just this past week, a few days ago, in fact, did a home sleep study. And I just had gotten the report that I do not have obstructive sleep apnea, that I do not have to wear my CPAP. Wow. I can't imagine trying to sleep with a CPAP on. Does it really like affect your, I don't like things touching my face. I don't <laughs> well, I had gotten to the point where I couldn't sleep without it. I mean, it, it felt like part of me, but it, it's a struggle initially, but you feel so much better that it's worth it. You feel so much better during the day. And that's what I was noticing. I hadn't used it now for a couple months. I'm thinking, I feel fine. I'm not falling asleep. My energy level is good. I think I don't need that anymore. But I needed to prove it, you know, kind of with a sleep study. And sure enough, I do not have to use my CPAP. I'm pretty darn proud of that one. Because how many people ever come off a CPAP once they're on it? I don't know. I'll have to look that up because I'm probably nobody. I know. It's like, here you go for life. Here, it's yours now. I have this huge list of medical things that my tells, my, tells me my body, this is the way I, I need to live. It's not like just for a period of time and then I go off of it. It's, this, is, this is the way I'm going to live the rest of my life. I'm right there with you. You know, you mentioned movement. We move our bodies because it's good for our bodies. We brush our teeth because it's good for our our teeth, (laughs) you know, inflammation levels. We get enough sleep because we need to. We do intermittent fasting because it's good for us. We eat nutritious foods because it it nourishes our bodies. That's really the way I now look at intermittent fasting as a healthy lifestyle choice, just like all the other healthy lifestyle choices. And it has kind of, it's changed my, what I like to eat. I've been very surprised by that. I really wasn't a big eater of vegetables and and, um, protein all the time. And that's what I actually, I crave now. That is, that's what I go to. So it's also changed the way I look at food as more as a fuel that makes my body feel good. And when I occasionally do have something that's not, I can feel it in my body. And I know that you have talked about your French fries, that sometimes if they're not cooked, I had that experience not that long ago. And I got home and I'm like, oh, my stomach just doesn't feel right. I'm like, I think it was those fries. I don't know what it was, but. We went to a barbecue restaurant and I didn't have fries because I'm not going to get fries, but I got hush puppies. 
I mean, hello. <laughs> it's like supposed to be one of the top 10 barbecue, supposed to be one of the top 10 barbecue restaurants in South Carolina. And I do love Hush Puppies. And sure enough, the whole, they set there like a lead balloon on my stomach. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> And it was not the barbecue restaurant here in Surfside, the Gracious Pig. It was not the Gracious Pig, which I love. It was another one here in Surfside. I won't name them since it was a thumbs down. But (laughs) I love the Gracious Pig if anybody is here. But yeah, and I was like, you know, you just feel it and it feels so heavy. But you had that experience with fries. So if I do choose, I think about that. It may not be comfortable for me later on in the day. But if it's a special event and it's like a birthday cake and people, every, you know, I'll make that decision. That's fine. You know, it's not like I eat birthday cake every day, you know, and I don't make it like every Saturday is a special cheat day or anything like that. It really has to deal with kind of the social situation that I might be in rather than than a special day of the week. Oh, and last night I had potatoes tossed in olive oil that I roasted in the oven and no stomach ache. So it's just those rancid oils that they have in restaurants that are, are such such a bad thing. You know, I love that. And we really do find that when we prioritize nutrients like that, we become much more satisfied with our foods. Mm-hmm. Much more satisfied. And who would have thought? Because I definitely was a person who liked my candy and my sweets and stuff. I still do every now and then. It's not that I don't ever have it, but it's not something that's in my mind like, oh, I need to stop and get some candy bars or something. You know, it just doesn't even like appeal to me. A hundred percent. I totally get that. Just the difference that, that it has on our satiety is huge. You know, if, if someone tried to give me candy, I'd be like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> give me some dates. I'll take those. But, you know, we'd been spending, Chad and I've been spending the summer kind of opening our, well, he, he has lunch, but when I would open my window with him and I would have like cheese and crackers and I've been having a lot of cheese and crackers to open my window lately just because it felt like we're having it together. We're sitting on the beach, you know, porch. I um, finally started eating. I mean, I didn't stop getting them, but I wasn't as regular with my daily harvest bowls. But now fall's in the air. So yesterday I was like, I just really need no more cheese and crackers. I need a daily harvest bowl. And pulled that out. And it was so full of nutrients. My body said, thank you. And at the end of the day, you go to bed and your size feels good. You know, it's like you know, everything feels good in my body. It does. It was like a satisfying kind of full that didn't just feel like I ate too much food. It just felt like like I nourished my body. Because if you would look in my, you know, refrigerator, you know, not always would I have those things in there. I mean, now I keep my Greek yogurt and my cottage cheese and hummus and all those things that are like, that's the things that I attracted to as I open the refrigerator now. It's kind of amazing, actually. It really is. And I always talk about how my tastes change as the seasons change. So, you know, it's fall. Fall is in the air, like I said. So, and by the time everybody's hearing this, it's going to be winter time. But, <laughs> but you know, I've got on a sweater today here. But, you know, wanting a warm harvest bowl and less on the smoothies and more on the warm. It just feels as the seasons are changing. but still got those nutrients packed in. You know, this life has, this new lifestyle has given me such freedom too. I feel more engaged in the world and more apt to spontaneously do things. Because when you're at a certain size, you feel like you don't quite fit in or, you know, will there be a chair that supports me or will I be able to get up off the chair once I sit down or, you know, all those things. Uh, People don't think about that if they're normal size, but those things go through your head. So it would keep me, I think, out of 
those situations where I which should normally just jump in and go and do. So it's given me such freedom and it has felt like this is truly the way. This is truly what I just need to do the rest of my life. So tell us what your protocol looks like. Like what what do you do? When when's your eating window? The one thing I always do is I try not to eat before noon ever, ever. Sometimes it's more probably more like two o'clock or so by the time I'm really hungry. But usually and there's a rare day where I'm like, my body feels hungry today. I think I need to eat at twelve thirty. I can't wait till two for some reason today. I'm not sure why, but and I'll I will have a snack at that point. And then I will have a meal. But I am also getting to the point where I like my early meals. And uh, my husband's like, You're, it's four o'clock. Why are we eating at four o'clock? Because <laughs> I think it's a great time. We're, we're both home and you're retired. And I mean, you know, let's just eat. So we're eating probably by four. I would say my window closes at the latest at six. Now, last night we went out um, to dinner with some friends and we, they said they wanted to eat at six. And you just kind of go... Uh, then you kind of go, okay, it's a social situation. I'll do this. But, you know, we were eating until, you know, eight practically. And that, you know, it just didn't feel good to me. So I do like that early window. So it's probably about a four hour. I probably average about a four hour window. I try to change it up a little bit because I know that uh, your body can kind of get accustomed to a certain way. So sometimes I will go a little longer or open it up and maybe even eat in the morning. So I do try to change it up a little bit. I did try a couple long fasts, felt that I did not, I'd like to eat every day. I figured that I, I just really needed one meal every day. I do not like missing a whole, like a 36 hours. That just didn't feel right to me. Yeah, I like to eat every day too. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'll never, never do a longer fast. I'm not going to say that because as soon as I say I'm never going to do that, I'll be like doing one tomorrow or something. I don't know. <laughs> Learned that about myself. As soon as I make a declaration, I'm like, wait, no, opposite of that. <laughs> but you're right. You know, I like to eat every day. I like to eat afternoon to evening. That's just what feels good. And again, that goes back to the idea of a goal lifestyle. You know, you find a rhythm that feels good and you want to keep doing it. And your body will settle at the weight that that lifestyle supports without you having to fight it. And that's what it always felt like before, that I was fighting it. I do think that's that's the difference. The difference with intermittent fasting is that you're not fighting your body, you're working with your body. Although you can still get into the whole mindset of fighting. Like if I decided I would need to lose 10 pounds now, I would be fighting my body. And I don't want to do that. It takes up a lot of energy, a lot of energy. And I know I've looked back over time and thought uh, how many hours I've spent thinking about that or like the first thing you think of during the day telling you what you're going to eat that day and then you didn't do it and then at night you're thinking about why and blaming yourself and being hard on yourself and being negative and why didn't I do that right why why did I have that I said this morning I was not going to do that but yet I it was just this constant battle within myself you know and it doesn't feel that way anymore because I had the freedom to when my window opens to think about what I really want to eat and if it happens to be a cheeseburger that day, that's what it's going to be. But if it's salmon that day, that's what it's going to be. I mean, that's the freedom that it's given me. And it's, it's the mental freedom. This podcast is supported by FedEx. 
FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Somebody in the community talked today about eating a, a cauliflower crust pizza that she'd had on hand for a while and it was... This is a victory story, because, but she, she'd had it on hand and she hadn't been eating it because she felt so much guilt about eating this because it was pizza. I mean, and it was on a cauliflower crust. It was a, you know, a, a not even, a, but that, and then she was like, and I ate it and I didn't feel guilty. And I was like, we should not feel guilty over eating any kind of pizza, whether or whatever crust it's on. And that just, it breaks my heart that we've gotten to the point where we feel so many negative emotions if we allow ourselves to enjoy our food. What I've learned with this, with this journey too, is that, it's okay to have those days where it's not for sure, that you don't feel certain, that you doubt it, that you question it, that you keep your mind open to, you know, because of the history that you've had with eating. And you need to just be aware of that. And, and it's honor it. It's, it's okay to feel that and to just to feel it and to write it out because it will, that feeling then also will go away. And to examine the feelings and think about why am I having these feelings? What's the root of this? And know that every day is not going to be 100%. You know, there are going to be days where you're just kind of going, this is really hard, you know? And then there's days that it's, it's very, very easy. But just to ride that out and it's okay. And not to throw in, you know, just throw it all away and start like, okay, well, this is not going to work for me now kind of thing. Just to ride that out. I think that's, that's a lesson that just comes with time with this. I think so too. And, and, you know, for everybody listening to understand that we all do have hard days. We all do. And when you really look back on those hard days with IF, however, they're so much less hard than the whole period of time prior to IF, right? So much, so much. Yes. That's probably what the thing that surprised me the most is, is the easiness of it because there is no gimmick associated with it. There is no special supplements you need to buy or anything. I mean, there's nothing. There's no, it's like, uh, how did this slip by? How did this not come to be before, you know, 10 years ago or whenever this whole kind of thing started? You know, it's like, it seems so obvious. 
And it is funny you mentioned the special supplements because people really are trained. We're trained to believe we have to buy something, right? We have to to buy some kind of – there must be a supplement we all need. And like electrolytes are one example. You know, people who are like, you must have electrolytes while you're fasting or whatever. I'm, I've never taken electrolytes during the fast. I've never needed them. I don't need them. I genuinely don't. And – I mean, some people might if they, depending on their hydration or their activity levels. So I'm not saying no one needs electrolytes either. But, you know, there's no universal everyone must have this. And the people who are telling you that there are are probably are trying to sell you one. <laughs> That's what I found. <laughs> Those snake oil things, well, yes. And I mean, it's not bad even like, like just electrolytes as an example. You know, you might need them. If you drink a lot of water, you might flush out your electrolytes and need to supplement. I'm not someone who like goes nuts with drinking the water. I just drink a normal amount, right? And I also tend to drink mineral water. And I'm also not out there sweating up a storm like crazy and, and all that. So my electrolytes have already always been fine, you know, no problem. But if I start saying everybody needs to take them and I have one, I will sell to you, then <laughs> that's when you start to get a little suspect. <laughs> I know too that now I can walk by those uh, magazines at the checkout at the grocery store with the ones that scream at you like, lose 20 pounds in six days or whatever it is. I know. And I used to buy those. I mean, I truly, I would buy those and read it and go, oh, maybe this is the answer. Oh, maybe this is the answer. And and try those things, you know? And I, I look at those now and kind of chuckle. Me too. And I do pick them up because I'm like, what in the world is this nonsense? And I go like, read it. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, you know. Occasionally, there's an intermittent fasting story on those covers. I do see that now. Occasionally. It's frustrating because they still make crazy claims. And so like a couple of times, the one of those, you know, they've, they've tied it into fast, feast, repeat. And so I have always a big internal struggle when that happens because I'm like, well, do I let them you know, talk about fast, feast, repeat and be part of this? Or now I have like a a visceral reaction to when they say lose 30 pounds by next month because I don't believe that's true and they're making all these claims so I'm like balancing out you know because sometimes you'd be like we're looking for someone who's lost weight with intermittent fasting can you help us find that person and so I want to help them find someone but I don't want them to make the outrageous claims because that's not what's going to happen I want people to understand that it's not, you know, you don't start intermittent fasting and then the weight melts off and then you're 100 pounds down. And, and you know, actually, that probably triggered me to um, want to do a podcast. You had mentioned once something about, you know, I don't want just the stories that uh, I started on January 1st and by June 6th, I was, you know, I hit my goal weight, you know, and it was so easy, uh, no problem. And you were like, you know, I really want to talk to the people who really, really are not struggling with it, but it's not as easy as that. And it was um, shortly after to give a shout out to my bestie friend, Michelle, I had shared with her that I, you know, I think, oh, you know, that podcast is really, and she's like, well, why don't you go on and tell your story? And I'm like, no, I, nah, that's not me. I can't do that. No. She says like, well, why wouldn't you? And she just said that little short sentence. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? So <laughs> why wouldn't I? So that clued me into like, you know, getting a hold of you. And then also after I heard you say on your, on a different podcast that, these are the stories I really want also. You know, I want those people to step forward that say maybe it's not always 
been successful and I may not be at what my goal should be, but it has done this for me also. It hasn't just been about the number. I think that's just really, really important. And it's it's what I really want to get out into the world because I don't want people to start intermittent fasting and have those tabloid expectations that we see at the checkout counter. And then when it doesn't do that for you, say, well, that didn't work. I'm going to quit. Because think about like, like you don't quit brushing your teeth if you've gotten a cavity. You don't go to the dentist and say, well, I got a cavity. I guess I'm never going to brush again. That didn't help. No. You brush your teeth every day anyway. And you know that sometimes you're going to get a cavity, even though you brush your teeth. It's just what happens. And you don't throw it all out, right? And so intermittent fasting, I really believe, is is like that. And for anybody who thinks, well, I didn't lose quick weight quickly, so it didn't work for me. But you don't know what it did do for you. That's the thing. I, I like. I don't know how my health would be right now if I had not started intermittent fasting. I have a hunch it wouldn't be very good. I feel younger. I mean, I feel better than I did in my 40s. Truthfully, I really do. And I can get up. I, I, and I'm 68. I have two dogs. And I get up and I walk every day, a couple miles every day. I have certain exercises that I do every day. I do have a vibration plate, which you had talked about. I do. I love mine. I have it over at the at the beach house. And you know, we've got the t- 920 something square foot beach house that we're living in. And one thing that's in there is the vibration plate. So that tells you. And it has done wonderful things for my joints. I feel like I'm, I'm just more fluid. I feel like I can move better. I just feel better after I use that. So those are, those are the things that, that triggered all of this too. You know, it's not just the fasting and stuff, but it also triggered doing those things too. I love that. And just being more cognizant of your overall health and wanting to age the best that we can so that we're strong. And, you know, when you fall, you don't break your hip, just your nose. (laughs) Exactly. Just my nose. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, funny enough, I had like a couple falls in a year. And of course, that puts you in a category of like, <laughs> what's going on, Kay? You know, you're older. It's just stumbling. But I did not break anything, which which just my nose. So my bones are good. <laughs> and, and I really think intermittent fasting helps with that. We have increased human growth hormone. And I also think the vibration plate helps with that because that's also, that's why they, you know, developed it was, you know, for astronauts. Because I did have a bone density then. My doctor said, you probably should have a bone density just see. And I've got great, very sturdy bones. So she said, you look really good. Do you have one prior to that? Do you have anything to compare it to? It's probably been 10 years ago that I had one. So it was probably time anyway. I wish I had so much data from before, but I don't. If I could go back in time, I would go back and tell my unhealthy self, get a bunch of baseline data that I could compare to now. That'd be good info to have. So is there anything that you struggle with? I still do struggle at times of stress with wanting to reach out to those things that were comforting to me for so many decades. And it's usually the sweets. I do have to still be aware of that. It doesn't send me down a rabbit hole anymore. It doesn't send me into this day-long, month-long, you know, six-month-long kind of thing. So I still kind of have to be aware of, of that piece of it. And also probably not being so obsessed with the number, the scale. I still do, you know, want to lose some more weight, but it's it's just coming off very slowly, but I just need to be patient with that. So there's still a couple things that the fast itself, I don't struggle with. That actually is, has become 
very easy for me. It wasn't initially, but it really has become very easy for me, especially if I clean fast. I will go sometimes and then it's like, oh my God, it's like three or four in the afternoon. It's like, I really should probably eat something. I think I'm hungry. So, but I don't really think about it in the morning or even early afternoon. So that part is much better. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I think for somebody that's just uh, starting on this is to, to figure out what your goal is and not so much the number, but there are metabolic goals. There are mental health goals. There's a lot of other things that are so important and that we don't focus on because it's not a number. Because every other diet I've been on, they've always given you a goal weight. And you're not successful unless you meet that. You know, and they, they never ever talked about, but how are you feeling? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling better? They just said, well, you didn't lose this week, you know, kind of thing. Oh, I want. Yeah. So I think finding your goal and not making it a number, I think is really important. And to give yourself the time that is needed for this, and that it's not a quick turnaround. It's not a quick fix. The time that you put into it will reap tremendous benefit to you in the end. And we're not a very patient society in general. We want things right now, right now, Google it right now. You know, we're just like that. And we, we're not also with ourselves that we're not very patient and kind to ourselves. So just to be patient with it and, and give yourself months into it. And, and you will find that rhythm and you will find that there are so many rewards in it that you you won't believe it. Well, Kay, thank you so very much. I'm so glad that you told your story and your friend was right. We needed to hear from you. Yes, thank you, Michelle. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.